I think it is, it's really an essential part of managing growth well, because you can, if you, if you lose sight of what makes you special and unique, that change in evolution can erode the entire foundation upon which this magical thing is built. So for us, a big part of what we've been spending time on over the last few months is really distilling what is the essence of what makes CrossFit so special, so life-changing, that drives the results that fundamentally have powered a lot of our growth. And how do we distill those down to something that we can look at and all agree upon? And that foundation for us will represent the non-negotiables. We're not going to change in these. What it'll also do is create, clarify the space around it where we have the flexibility to experiment and change. Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome back to Pursuing Health. I am very excited to be here today with Don Fall, who is the CEO of CrossFit. So thank you so much for joining me. I have been listening to a lot of interviews that you've done lately, and I am so excited to talk to you and just to get to know you. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited as well. And we are right now currently about to enter week three of the Open. So I have to ask how it's going. I know your first week on the job was at CrossFit Games, which is probably, you know, a whirlwind experience. But now what has the Open been like for you this year now in this new role of CEO? It's been, uh, it's been really amazing, actually. Uh, And, you know, for all, I think the reasons that, that a lot of people love the Open, a really hard test of fitness and a reminder that I need to kind of refocus this <laughs> year. Um, There's a lot of suffering. Nothing like a repeat to kick it off too, right? <laughs> exactly. It, yeah. Forced retrospection of, of how far things have come one way or the other. Um, That's right. But the Open's been really awesome. It is, you know, I think the Open represents the uh, in, and, and put center stage so many of the things that I love that I really love about CrossFit, right? I love the fact that it's hard, you know, a little bit of the double-edged sword, <laughs> but like it's a test where you know you're going to suffer and go in and really see where you're at. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome reminder. Like I'm already, you know, two workouts in, like completely dissatisfied with where my fitness is and thinking about, you know, where I want to be next year. It's maybe the best we're pretty close to the best celebration of our community. Like, you know, I remember the first time I ever did the open being so struck by where else can you compete with hundreds of thousands of people around the world, all Mm -hmm. starting a level playing field that ultimately culminates in, you know, in our case, crowning the fittest on earth, like that doesn't exist anywhere else. And mm-hmm. feeling a part of that in, within your affiliate and feeling a part of it more broadly, I think it's just such a special thing. So the Open's been amazing. Amazing. Every year, it's there's nothing like it, bringing the community together. I've loved seeing some of the first timers, you know, in the, the gym that I go to, people who just started CrossFit even a month ago or a few weeks ago, and getting to experience the community in such a big way so early on has been really cool. 
Well, you have a very interesting background. I'm sure you've been told that and are well aware of that. And I think, you know, I'm a big believer that we all have these experiences in life that that don't often make sense in the moment. But when you look back, you can see how they prepared you maybe for what's next. And so I want to just spend a minute reading off some of your, your bio and your experiences and then you know, we can dig into those and how that those have maybe shaped you or helped prepare you for where you are now. So I know you grew up playing sports was always something that was a big part of your childhood and then went on to attend the U.S. Naval Academy, studied systems engineering and graduated with honors and were named an All-American rugby player as well. Then spent some time as a Marine infantry officer serving as platoon commander with the first Light Armand Battalion and 1st Force Reconnaissance Company, completed tours in Afghanistan and Iraq, and then left active duty in 2003. Then you went on to do your MBA at Stanford um, and took on leadership roles at multiple Fortune 500 companies. So first at Google, then you went on to Facebook, worked on building and leading the company's global user developer and payments and risk operations teams as vice president of online operations. Pinterest leading community outreach, international growth and business partnerships as head of operations. And then most recently served as CEO of Athos, which was a next generation smart clothing company. And then you ended up making the decision to close that down after six years. Mm -hmm. And also all the while for the the past eight years have also been a member of a CrossFit affiliate yourself for your own health and fitness. So, you know, not too shabby. And um, it's so interesting, you know, just to read about these experiences. And of course, these are just highlights from your bio, but each one I'm sure comes with so much rich learning and growth and and adversity and have prepared you for where you are today. So, so I'm excited to dig into those, but are there any that aren't on your bio, any other experiences that you think have played a big role in, in preparing you for this, this job as CEO of CrossFit? That's a great question. You know, I've gotten the I've had the opportunity to serve on the board a couple of, of a couple of nonprofits. Mm. Um, one that's focused on both founded by a really good friend of mine who I went to college with and served mm-hmm. in the with. Uh, one focused on developing, really lifting up communities in in uh, out of extreme poverty, primarily in Africa, kind of conflict states, and and the mm-hmm. second thing focused on democracy reform. I think I mentioned both of those because you know I think my Parents uh, instilled in me really early the importance of service and giving back, and military was one way to do that. But having a chance to be a part of these, uh, play a very, very small role in these nonprofits was another way. Uh, also, something that I've really looked for in my work. You know, can I find a place where I love what I do, but also has a mission, has an experience that that gives back in some capacity? Hmm. I love that. I, w- I was wondering what the connections were for for some of those um, nonprofits that you worked with. That's cool. So, so starting with some of your earlier experiences, so sports, team sports, you know, Naval Academy, rugby, and then your time in the Marines. I mean, the things that stand out to me are you know pursuing really hard things, like taking a taking the hard path. Um, especially even, you know, I know in the the Marines, you went on to to serve in the Force Reconnaissance Company, which I do not have much military background or understanding, but I know that that, you know, is a special operations unit and is um, a very difficult and well-respected um, sort of role. And then just this idea of hard work and teamwork and developing leadership through those experiences. But I guess for you looking at, at those, what what are the biggest takeaways from some of those experiences that you think help shape how you see leaders? 
Yeah, it's interesting. When I was growing up, I you know was incredibly fortunate. Amazing family. Grew up in a this idyllic town in northern New Jersey. Had you know great schools, um, opportunity to play sports, and I actually think you know when I was growing up, I was a I was a good student. I was a let's call it slightly above average athlete. Mm-hmm. I was you know I wouldn't say the most physically gifted on any dimension. So I was always someone that had to like candidly overcome a lack of like raw talent and skill with a little bit uh, of extra work. Mm-hmm. And I knew in high school. As much as I really wanted to, like getting a scholarship to play at the next level was just not in the cards for me. I knew that pretty early. And candidly, that left me with a chip on my shoulder. And so when I got to college, I had always had a little bit of something to prove, um, Mm -hmm. both, both, I think, academically through the work side, um, but athletically as well. And honestly, I think I still carried that chip. And you know, while that manifested at times in like a little bit of an inferiority complex, I actually think it was like one of the biggest gifts I took out of my childhood, which was this, because I think it manifested in like wanting to go prove to myself and maybe to others that I could do the hardest thing, that I could play, you know, play, you know, sports in college, that I could do well in school, you know, fast forward after college, that I could do well in the Marine Corps and do well um, you know, in my following career. And so I, I think that's one of the biggest things that I took out of, you know, my childhood. The military for me was, I, I'd say the, the biggest thing I, you know, two things that I took away from those experiences that have been really indelible for me. The first is that's when I really learned real, real discipline. Mm. I was decently disciplined in high school. The Naval Academy, like decent, wasn't good enough there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I learned a level of like rigor and attention to detail and like doing things right, you know, virtuosity out of my, my experience in the military. And that that benefited me, has benefited me so much throughout my entire life. I also learned, you know, how to manage through adversity. You know, obviously a huge part of the military's philosophy when it comes to training and, and shaping uh, an individual and organizations is shared adversity. That is, if you had to sum up the entire strategy and training, <laughs> make people go through really, really hard things and help them build grit and resilience. And so super grateful for, for both of those things coming out of my time in the Marine. Mm-hmm. Which is really, I think, what defines what makes CrossFit so special and the community so tight, right? Is the fact that we go through adversity together every single day and are there for each other. 100%. You know, you mentioned early on, like, I have a really weird background, actually. Like, it, it's not <laughs> like if you started at the beginning, you would never get to the end. Um, <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that I, I love about, you know, this new role and opportunity for me is it shares so much of what I started. And there's so many similarities, um, mm. you know, a part of it being this notion of shared adversity about perseverance and grit and the things that you take out of, um, you know, being a part of this community and, and doing hard things together. Mm-hmm. How did your time in the military shape you as a leader? So, you know, it's really interesting. One of the one of the things that I I didn't appreciate at the time, but looking back now, recognize how rare is you know in the military. It's it's um, one of the few places where really early in your career you get leadership experience. So I graduated from college. I was twenty one years old. You know, shipped out to my first unit. 
and you know, at the Naval Academy, they, we had taken a lot of classes on leadership, but I hadn't actually really led anyone outside of, of maybe some experience on the rugby fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and I showed up my first unit. I'm 22 years old now. So, you know, after a few months of training, show up and they say, great, here are 30 Marines, 40 Marines that you're in charge of. And I thought I knew what I was doing. I had all of this, but I realized within like three hours that I was completely in over my head. And I, I really think leadership is one of those things that you can read as many books as you want, but you just need reps. Um, mm-hmm. You need the opportunity to learn and fail, et cetera. And the military was incredible. Military in general is just an incredible uh, place to learn how to lead. And with a really strong cultural foundation, with a really clear sense of purpose and mission and culture, I learned, um, I'd say stylistically, one of the things that I learned really early that has really stuck with me and resonates with me was this notion of like, of, of servant leadership. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, I think if you had asked me as a really naive, like 19 or 20 year old, what it meant to lead, I would have probably said something like it's about in the military, it's about giving people orders and telling them what to do. And what I learned really quickly was that actually, like my biggest job, your biggest job as a leader is actually to, to support and serve your people. And, and your job is to put them in a position to be successful. And I was really fortunate to get to work for a couple of leaders who were really exceptional in that capacity. And I saw how that influenced people, how it influenced results. And it just resonated with, with the type of leader that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. What do you have any examples of that of things that you saw or you witnessed that really changed that fundamental belief for you about what a leader should be? Yeah, you know, there are these there are these little things and I'll speak to my experience in the Marine Corps and every service has a, a slightly different culture. In the Marine Corps, there are things that are embedded into the culture, kind of unwritten uh unwritten rules. Like as a leader, you always eat last. Your Marines mm-hmm. eat first. Um, mm-hmm. when you're uh if you're you're out you know, we, we would say in the fields or if you're out in an operation, um, you are sleeping in the dirt next to your Marines. Um, if your Marines have to stay up and rotate through a fire watch or security, you're going to take a shift alongside your Marines. And I saw both the, the way those little things, they send really powerful messages. You know, when your Marines, when everyone's tired and everyone's hungry, especially in an organization, you know, the military is you know, probably by necessity, pretty hierarchical. So, so the, the, the distance between, you know, a, a junior member of the team and a senior officer can be extreme. And when that senior person says, you know what, no, you eat first, you go to the front of the line, do you have what you need? It sends a really, really powerful message, mm-hmm. it creates trust, it creates empathy. It makes it more likely for that individual to open up with and share and ask questions. And it builds, I'd say, a relationship that under hard circumstances, you can really, really lean on. I love that. And just another cool parallel between obviously CrossFit has so many roots in the military, but a really cool parallel between with CrossFit as well, because you think about, I think one of the most beautiful things about it is that you can walk into the gym. I I noticed this a lot when I was in, in med school and I would talk to other doctors who are, who are in the gym and, you know, you talk to someone in the hospital who's a really well-respected surgeon. And there's this hierarchy where mm-hmm. no one wants to give them feedback, you know, cause they're, they're the boss. Right. Mm-hmm. But they're like, I like going to the gym and a trainer just calling me by my first name, not doctor and telling me my air squat looks terrible and they're mm-hmm. going to fix it. You know, just to have that kind of environment where it doesn't matter 
who you are, what your job is, where you're from. Like you just walk into the gym, you work out with the person next to you and your people and you make that real authentic human connection. And it breaks down a lot of those barriers, which is one of, I mean, I have so many favorite parts about CrossFit, but that's another mm-hmm. one. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, it's one of the really magical things about CrossFit is, is, you know, walking into any affiliate and you could be an elite member of the community, an elite athlete. You could be on your first day mm-hmm. and everyone is there together, experiencing it together, supporting each other, cheering each other on. That is really, really rare. And I think it's super special. Super special. It also reminds me of the story of how Dave Castro got started with CrossFit. I think he started cleaning bathrooms or washing the floor at seminars. And then, you know, eventually was on seminar staff and then is part of the game. So, you know, I I love Love seeing that, that culture. So, you know, after your time in the military, you went on to go study business and then apply some of these skills in the world of business and specifically in tech. And it is... I'm sure no easy feat to translate like these skills are universal, but you also have to translate them to different environments. And that's a skill in and of itself. So can you talk about some of the the challenges of that time and, and sort of how you, how you've then learned to be able to adapt based on the environment and the needs of the, the environment, the people you're working with? Yeah, I think you articulated that really well. And, and, you know, I'll be honest, when I was getting out of the Marine Corps, the transition was really hard for me. I was, I loved my time in active duty, but I kind of made the call, like I'm ready for the next phase of my life and the next phase of my career, you know, largely went to up to grad school because I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do with the rest of my life and, and didn't know who would hire me. You know, I was an infantry Marine, like how do those skills translate? And the initial part of that process was really daunting for me. You know, I went to grad school. And so I'm sitting in class with folks who are coming out of investment banks and technology companies and consulting firms they know the answers to all the questions the professor is asking. <laughs> I can't even understand the questions, never mind try to answer them. And it was really intimidating. And it took me a little time to realize that that actually a lot of the experiences and skills that I'd taken away from my time in the military around leadership, around getting things done, around getting people together, um, were really extensible and valuable, but that they required a little bit of this cultural translation, I guess. You know, it's a different cultural mm-hmm. context. And so what I had to learn is how do I apply what I've learned to a fundamentally different environment? And it was bumpy, to be honest. You know, I, I remember I had a, I like to tell the story. I had this, my first experience sharing feedback with someone on my team at Google. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this person on my team had, we had met to, to we we're going in to brief my boss. And I checked in with this person and said, Hey, you want to go over things before the meeting? And this person looked at me and was like, like back off, dude. Like I got it. <laughs> have the meeting, it's a complete train wreck, like absolute disaster. It's like my first meeting with my new, new boss. And as the meeting's happening, it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if smoke's coming <laughs> out of the years, but I'm like, dial it back. The way you're used to responding is definitely not appropriate. Like, so yeah. I'm like doing breathing exercises. And, so, <laughs> you know, I asked this person to stick around and I have a conversation. And in my head, I'm like, I'm crushing this. Like I'm super under control and, you know, being really reasonable. Yeah. So the meeting ends, this person leaves and I'm like, all right, great. That went well. <laughs> Two hours later, one of my friends is like, what did you say to so-and-so? Like, you're the, they, like talking about this crazy Marine who is going X, Y, and Z. So it, uh, it took me a little while to course correct. Um, you know, and, and part of that, I think, is it was just really understanding the cues around, you know, how do people communicate? How do they articulate things? I'd say mm-hmm. one of the biggest adjustments 
was uh, around bringing people along and sharing context. So, mm. you know, in the military, I think, again, by design and probably by necessity in some situations, there isn't time to explain the why. Um, mm-hmm. or there's an, And less of an expectation that you're going to get the why. So, you know, I'd make a call and say, we're going to go do X. And my Marines would say, great, great. fantastic, let's go do X. We trust it. What I learned when I started working in tech was that there was more of a cultural ex- expectation that people understand the why behind what things were working on. And what I discovered, which I think was a really valuable thing for me, was how powerful it can be when people understand the why in terms of the creativity it can unlock, the buy-in it can elicit, and people understanding mm-hmm. things, and really how it can empower people to really run with autonomy while staying aligned with what we're trying to achieve. So that was one of the areas that took me a little little time to kind of learn and adjust, but uh, ended up being you know uh, pretty valuable for me. I love that. And just thinking about it, I mean, all three you think about the marine culture is a very you know distinct culture. I'm sure the tech sort of culture is very distinct, and CrossFit culture is very distinct as well. So having to understand those nuances and respect the differences and and adapt is a, a you know a big skill but but I love I love what you just shared there because I think that's a big part of why you know the community is so excited about where CrossFit is and where you're leading us is because of your ability to articulate that why. So I'm glad you you know learned that lesson <laughs> earlier. Me too. Because I'd say of the three of the military and tech and CrossFit, it might be most important in this community and most mm. most challenging. I think you really have to understand where CrossFit's come from and the language yeah. they use and what matters. And so, yeah, it's, I'm really glad you know I, I, that that I've been in the community for eight years to have a little bit of that coming in to at least understand mm-hmm. it. Totally. Totally. And on that note, you know, I've heard you talk about this transition that companies make from an early stage and trying to figure out their product market fit to this growth stage, mm-hmm. uh, where now you're really building a sustainable business. And I know you've been a part of companies at various stages along that path and, and the leadership changes and the needs change. And it, it feels very much like we're in that middle of that. And it's been very messy the last few years as we're kind of trying to find our way. And so I'm curious what you've learned in previous experiences about, about what's important in times like these and how to help make a company successful and really go on to that next stage of, of growth. So I think, you know, Starting points is understanding. Um, I think it's really important that as we, as a community, and that's one of the things that's really unique about this job. It's not just the 200 people full time or 200 plus our seminar staff at CrossFit. It's actually the entire community that needs to understand where we're going and why and what the strategy is. I think that's a big part of our job. But the starting point is understanding, are we actually aligned in where we're going and what success looks like? And if we're not on that, if there's a lack of clarity there, it can be really hard to manage through any sort of change. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and that same thing has been true in my experience with other places I've been. You know, what is the long-term vision? Every organization is going to go through phases, multiple steps, lots of changes organizationally. You're going to have changes in the external environment. And having real clarity on where you're going is, is essential. You know, the second thing, and, you know, and I, I've mentioned this before is, you know, organizations change a lot culturally when you grow and when things evolve. So 
the way that a, a team operates when you're 20 people doesn't work when you're 50. Like it totally breaks. And when you're 50 going to 100, it breaks again. And so I think one of the things that for any team, organization, company, you have to really continue to be, I'd say, uh, self-aware of recognizing that that um, things need to evolve the way you work and the way you communicate needs to evolve um, and be really nimble, build um, that type of agility into the organization so that, that change is something you expect and get good at versus change can also create uncertainty if you don't manage it well. So um, I think that's a really, really essential piece. I think, you know, for, you know, to kind of oversimplify, I think about like, and I've kind of seen like, you know, two rough phases in some of the places I've been. You've got this really early, you touched on in tech, it's sometimes explained as getting the product market fit. So figuring out how do you create something that people love and use that generates momentum. Um, going from like drawing something on a whiteboard to something that that actually impacts people's lives. You know, CrossFit clearly has gone through that, right? Mm-hmm. So, and when you get there in that early phase, it's generally the organization small and super lean and super nimble. And and um, the currency is how do we how do we um, iterate as quickly as we can to get to something that works really well. And when you get to something that works really well, you have the benefit of this crazy organic growth. So people love it so much. They tell everyone about it. And (laughs) you grow despite yourself in many cases. It just goes. CrossFit, you know, clearly has been uh, gone through that phase. And it's probably been in that phase now for almost years, which is incredible and amazing. Most companies never get there, right? 90% of companies fail before they even figured it out. At some point, then you got to figure out, okay, that initial experience, if you create something magical, usually allows you to reach a certain number of people. And, you know, sometimes those are described as your early adopters. These are the people who are so rabid for what you've created that they'll use it despite, you know, things being rough around the edges, maybe marketing that's not clear, despite it being expensive. But often, when, if you think about wanting to grow beyond that early adopter pool, for us, I think we're in our, you know, uh, in our early adopter phase. We have, you know, a couple million people around the world. That's incredible, but nowhere near what I think is addressable. What is actually possible for us? Mm-hmm. Now we got to figure out that what happens in that product market fit early phase is insufficient. So great, we have a great product. We have a great experience in CrossFit. How do we reach more people? And that's when you have to get really good at things like marketing and growth and reaching people and looking at, hey, how do we structure partnerships that allow us to reach people? How do we look at um, the way we've structured uh, our organization? Do we have the right skills and talents to invest in the things that we need to do to grow? And so we are in, you know, I think for us, as I think about our vision, getting to 30 million people, which I think is 100% possible for us. I think we can get much bigger than that. But to get there, we've got to now build a set of skills and competencies that allow us to reach people that might be a little more skeptical, that might not be willing to deal with a lot of the, the roughness around the edges. And so that's the evolution that we need to go through, I think, as a team. And I'd argue more broadly as a community as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think one of the things that has been most refreshing for me to hear you talk about is 
first just doubling down and understanding what it is about CrossFit that makes it so special and makes it so unique and has allowed it to have such transformational results in these couple million people's lives. And to know that we are not going to lose that. I think that's what so many people have been afraid of during this transition period is, are we going to lose sense of who we are? And so I love hearing you talk about that. Um, And it gives me a lot of sort of peace of mind about where we're going. But I'd love to hear more about just that process. And if you can share, you know, what some of those things are that that you have identified through the process and, and that Nicole led the team through. Yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you for bringing this up because I think it is, it's really an essential part of managing growth well. Because you can, if you, if you lose sight of what makes you special and unique, that change in evolution can erode the entire foundation upon which this magical thing is built. So for us, a big part of what we've been spending time on over the last few months is really distilling what is the essence of what makes CrossFit so special, so life-changing that drives the results that fundamentally have powered a lot of our growth? And how do we distill those down to something that we can look at and all agree upon? And that foundation for us will represent the non-negotiables. We're not going to change in these. What it'll also do is create, clarify the space around it where we have the flexibility to experiment and change. Because you know we can't, we can't expect to grow really aggressively if we're not willing to, to do some things differently and try new things. And so these think of these, I think of these as, as you know, the principles upon which the constraints that we'll use to make sure that as we experiment and evolve and grow, we're staying really true to who we are. So um, we can think about, uh, I, I'd say those fall in a couple of different buckets and, and there's work that we're doing on these right now. There are a set of brand principles that, that Nicole um, has led the charge on with input from our team that really expresses and articulates the essence of our brand and what makes CrossFit really unique and really spe- special. There's also a bunch of work clearly around our methodology that we need to stay uh, extremely committed to as well. And that's a, a whole interesting rabbit hole that we can jump into. <laughs> you know, I, I got a question last week, hey, is the methodology done? Is it complete? Mm. Is it perfect? Whole another topic of conversation. I think, I think what, a huge part of what makes CrossFit so special is the fact that it's empirically driven. Like mm-hmm. CrossFit is what works best. Right. Our current working model is the best that anybody has evolved. But I think if we're going to stay as far ahead as everyone else, we need to continue to push the boundaries and make sure that we eke out that extra 1% here, 1% mm-hmm. there in the evolution of our methodology. So those are two kind of big buckets that I'd say are really essential to kind of how we show up. Totally. I love that. And I love that, um, you know, that that's one of the the commitments is to always trying to find the best methodology and not being, you know, just like we talked about in the, in the level one, you know, if you're doing a hula hoop and, and uh, wearing roller skates in the middle of the highway near the winning the CrossFit games, then we'll start doing that. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know if we'll see that happen anytime soon, <laughs> but you never know. You never know. I've been surprised sure. before. Um, And I've loved those, the series, The Magic of CrossFit that you have put out that I think probably highlights a lot of those core principles. And, and so I'm, you know, I'm excited to hear more about that. And as you're able to, to share more. Yeah, those principles, the language that you've seen show up and the themes you show up in The Magic of CrossFit has come from foundationally the work we've done in the principles. 
Love that. Love that. Well, I want to back up a little bit and just talk about your path into this role. So you have been doing CrossFit for about eight years. Can you talk just about your experience as an athlete? I know you've been a member of a couple of affiliates and uh-huh. then you know how you'd been involved as a member. And then we'll kind of get into how you came into this role. Sure. So I, um, you know, my backgrounds, so I, I played sports in college. Obviously, you know, my job in the Marine Corps had a lot of physical fitness. I love that. Um, I got really into triathlons for a while. So when I stopped playing rugby, I wanted something competitive. I really missed the competitive side. So I got into triathlons. That was fun, but I completely jacked up my body. I thought that, that <laughs> running and cycling would be relatively low impact, but blew up my lower back. Got into a phase when I was probably... By the time I was in my mid-30s, I'd say I had pretty bad disc issues in my lower back. I had blown on my shoulder playing rugby. You know, I woke up every morning with a lot of pain, couldn't touch, couldn't even come close to touching my toes. Mm. Would have two or three acute uh, flare-ups in lower back each year. Thought I was kind of relegated to being really restricted in, in my ability to do things. Um, I was at this point running, doing the global gym thing three, three to four five days a week. Thought I was reasonably fit. I'd heard about CrossFit, but was a little wary. I, I, I heard concerns about, you know, um, might get injured, especially, you know, for someone with a low back issue. Finally, I had a friend of mine who kind of basically trash talked me into trying it. So um, <laughs> sh- showed up, you know, at a, I started at a, a gym in San Francisco walked in my friend and I, we agreed to do it together for a month. Uh, We both got absolutely destroyed in our first workout. I walked in thinking I was like pretty fit and I Mm -hmm. came in well, second to last, my friend friend came in dead last. So at least I'd be one person, but (laughs) we, uh, I, I was just destroyed. And, and, uh, you know, I was more sore than I'd ever been, but I was totally hooked. I was totally hooked. Even though I was destroyed, I was like, this is what I've been missing. Fast forward, you know, three to six months in, you know, the, the folks on mobility, core strength, proper movement, you know, my back started feeling better. So trained there for about a year, transferred uh, jobs, so moved from a job in San Francisco down about a half hour south from the peninsula and started training at NorCal CrossFit at the time. So went adjacent gyms uh, and loved it. Amazing community, um, loved the gym. That's where I, you know, really started to see really meaningful progress and gains. My back now is in is hasn't felt this good in 20 years for me. It's incredible. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So, and I can do all sorts of things outside of it that you know I, I wasn't sure I'd be able to do again. Uh, and I've been training at uh, MC Fit then for about about seven years. And then the location I trained at in Redwood City here closed down. It was a, a lease issue. And so moved to a, another affiliates. So I still remember with Jason's gym and then I'm a, mm-hmm. a member of another affiliate here in San Carlos. Uh, that's awesome. And I've got a group of, you know, train most days at 6 a.m., three or four guys who I've trained with for seven years now, super close friends. Awesome. So it's been great. I love that. I love that. What was it like? Were you, you know, in 2020 when all this transition was happening? Obviously, we were doing, we were in the middle of COVID, and then there was these leadership transitions and Greg leaving the company. Were you following much of that? Or at that point, did you ever think about, wow, I might want to be involved in leading CrossFit? Or was it something that came a little later? 
Um, I, I certainly had, you know, when, when Greg was, um, you know, 2020 timeframe, when uh, right before he sold the business, uh, was certainly thinking about that and then had some conversations with a friend who knew and mm-hmm. it didn't, uh, nothing manifested there. But, you know, it was at that point, even thinking about the possibility got me really excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though it never got particularly close, I, I was very, very excited about the opportunity and it never left you know, my brain that gosh, and I, at the time I was like, Oh gosh, it got sold. And I was, uh, thought, gosh, I may never have another, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe the opportunity is gone. So, and then, Hey, serendipity years later. The seed was planted. Yes. Um, that's amazing. So then you, you, you know, went through the process and, and ended up being named a CEO. You've been here for about seven months what I know, you know, now we're starting to really hear a lot more from you. I know you at the beginning took this approach of, I just want to listen. I want to learn. I want to understand, get the lay of the land. And now we're really starting to hear, okay, what is this big vision? Where are we going? What can we expect? So what has that, what has the last seven months sort of been like to get to this point? Um, It's been, you know, overall, I'd say it's been, it's been amazing. I, um, you know, I was incredibly excited coming into the role, super bullish on the opportunity. I'd say, if anything, I'm more bullish now than I was before I started. Mm. I'd say on the on the flip side, this business and beauty is a lot more complex than I think at, at first blush. You know, it, it, as an outsider looking at it, we have we have a pretty small team. You know, around 200 people right now. We have almost three completely different businesses that. You know, support small businesses in over 150 countries around the world. We have, you know, what is approaching a mainstream professional sports. We have an education business, and we have this small, you know, fitness small business um, uh, business. And so, a lot of what I've been doing over the course of the last, you know, six seven months is really just listening and learning. Have a lot of conversations with our team, talking to a lot of folks in the community, affiliate owners, coaches, partners. And really just trying to to make sure that I had a really good foundation and understanding of where we are. And then as a team, we've been working on, okay, given where we are right now, long-term, what do we think is possible? So we spent a lot of time as a team building what we shared as our 2030 vision. This is what we think you know, success might look like. And then, okay, that's the easier part. The hard part is how do we get there? How do we, mm-hmm. how do we execute against that given the size of the opportunity um, the amount of work that we have to do, and how do we do it in a way where it's not just cross, it's not just HQ, it's the community. I think one of the the untapped opportunities that we have is we have this incredibly passionate global community that I think, in general, everyone wants this to be bigger and knows that it's possible. And if we do our job well, I think we can all work together. But that's really complex. Um, mm-hmm creating that type of clarity alignment. So we've been working really hard on that. Anything throughout this process that really surprised you or that you really weren't expecting to learn or some facet of CrossFit that that uh, was different than you thought it would be? Um, I was, you know, I, I guess, you know, certainly a few things. I think on the sport side, sport is this incredible... I think this incredible asset that we have, you know, if I talk about it, it is we have these incredible athletes who inspire so many people that bring the community together, that it has the opportunity to expose new people to CrossFit. But sports also extraordinarily 
uh, complex to manage and run. Mm-hmm. Um, my first week of the games, seeing what it takes to run <laughs> the games is insane. It's you incredible. Could, you might be able to argue there's no professional sport that is as complex as CrossFit, where the format changes every single time. There is no standard arena or field where everything happens. The amount of logistics is extraordinary. So that was a big one. And that really also influences the way you think about an, an, a sport as a business. So so for us, really thinking about, we know sport is, is so incredibly valuable for us. How do we manage it and leverage it as a way of, you know, again, celebrating what's possible and, and elevating these amazing athletes? But I think more importantly, candidly, how do we leverage sport and elevate sport as a means of reaching more people? And how do we do that with a small team in a really leveraged sort of way that you know can can grow the size of the community? That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, look, another piece that's really challenging for us is, you know, I think one of the beauties of our affiliate model is, you know, I think genius early is, you know, there is a a relatively um, you know, we've got the the flat affiliate fee. We have very, very few constraints. So pay the affiliate fee, you get to use the brand and mark. And then we have all these gym owners who are independent entrepreneurs. And so the the cost of starting an affiliate is really, really low. And I think that has driven, it was genius because I think it has driven extraordinary growth and innovation in the space. And it has attracted entrepreneurial, you know, entrepreneurial and uh, minded affiliate owners. Um, there's no way we'd be at 14,000, 13,500 affiliates without that model. Mm-hmm. At the same time, um, you know, early on, we had a very low touch model. So from HQ, you started your affiliate. You didn't get much from us. You got to use mm-hmm. the brand. That was it. <laughs> I think in our next phase, we need to do more. We need to support affiliate owners a bit more. I think we are evolving in a place now where the, this viral growth that drove new members in the door, hopefully we'll, we'll continue to see some of that. But we've recognized we need to do more to support affiliate owners and figuring out how we do that and do that with, again, 13,000 affiliates in over 100 markets all around the world is really complex. And so that's, you know, I I had an inkling of that coming in, but I think really digging into that, that's a, a meaningful challenge and opportunity for us. No, absolutely. I mean, you have so many different affiliate owners with so many different needs and expectations. And I think, like you said, the the ethos of CrossFit was having this low barrier to entry and and people being able to have some autonomy over they how they run their gyms is what, you know, gives people so much meaning and purpose in what they do every day and and unlocking their doors. And so some people I imagine, you know, don't really want a lot of input. Like they want to continue doing things the way they want. But then there's a lot of people who felt who probably felt like, you know, they weren't getting the support that they needed in order to be able to best run their business. So how do you offer that and still give everyone autonomy, you know, is is a big challenge. Okay. So could you lay out for us a little bit about what the current CrossFit ecosystem looks like now? So we have CrossFit HQ, you are, you know, CEO there. What is what is your job and role? What is the role of CrossFit HQ? And then who are other stakeholders in the community that are part of this, this bigger vision? Yeah. So yeah, if we, if we start with we start with HQ, you know, our job is uh, really to articulate a vision, I think, for the community that is informed by the community. 
that we can all work towards together. I think the vision and strategy is a really essential responsibility of ours. And again, mm-hmm. if we're doing that well, uh, I think our different other stakeholders feel like they have a voice. So they may not agree. There's no way we're going to have a vision and strategy that everyone agrees with. But I hope <laughs> everyone feels like, hey, our voice will be heard and listened to. So that's a big part of our responsibility. We play, obviously, a really important role in, I think we have a responsibility to make sure that we really uh, protect and evolve and safeguard the brand. That is essential. So making sure that if you put CrossFit on the wall of your building or your gym, um, or you're wearing it on a t-shirt, that you can have pride and confidence. It's something that you want to be associated with, that you're proud to represent. And so that's really, really important for us. And again, through things like Magic CrossFit, we're spending more and more time investing in that. Investing in the brand for affiliate owners, I think it's our responsibility um, to provide a set of resources that can help them build really healthy, sustainable businesses that change lives. And so we would need to support both the business side of that and, and, and obviously the coaching side of that to make sure that when their members walk in the door, they know they're going to have a great experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a responsibility in supporting our coaches. And, and obviously, I, you know, we believe, I believe uh, CrossFit coaches are, are the best in their field without question. A uh, huge part of our job to make sure that they can continue to build and refine their craft. Coaching is not something that you take one two-day course and you're an expert probably something that you can keep learning throughout your entire career. Our job is to make it really, really easy for coaches to invest in that journey and pursue kind of virtuosity within their their craft. And then for members, I think we have a responsibility for members as well as it relates to the brand, as it relates at the end of the day to the experience that they have when they walk inside any, any affiliate room. So I think those are our responsibilities Next, I would say, um, obvious stakeholder is, uh, I'll go to our members, really important. Everything we do, I think, in the community should be in service of our members, of changing lives. Um, so they are the most important, the foundation of what we do. Billion owners, obviously, super important. Coaches. And then last one, I'd say is partners. So I think partners are really important as well. Partners are, uh, I think, play a really important role in driving innovation in service of supporting our affiliate owners, our coaches, and our members. And we've seen, obviously, countless cases of that, Rogue, Noble, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Love that. In terms of... Well, let's go to the vision. I think we've mentioned it a few times, but I don't think you've explicitly said it. So what is the 2030 vision for CrossFit? And you mentioned that this came out of the community. So what was the process for coming to this, this big vision? So, um, yeah, so our, you know, CrossFit's vision by 2030 is to be the world's leading force in driving health and performance. That's big and aggressive, mm-hmm. but I think our vision should be big and aggressive and, and yeah. talk about, right? I know this is something that I, I assume your entire audience um, would agree with, but a lot of the macro trends around health are really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the solutions that, that folks who are suffering are pointed to um, or things like drugs and surgery, et cetera. Mm-hmm. We believe with conviction that we have you know, the answer, um, the much more efficacious, safe path that is meaningful on so many dimensions beyond your physical health, mental lots health. Lots of positive side effects, not negative. Lots of positive side effects. There we go. <laughs> I knew you would point me in the right direction. Um, so, so look, that's the long-term vision. And again, you know, I... 
I really, we have something here that's so special and there's so many people that need it. So mm-hmm. how do we reach as many people as possible with this life-changing experience? Um, and again, you know, what does that look like for successful? We've talked about, you know, if we're in the neighborhood of two to 3 million people today, I think we need to 10X that. So it's 30 million people around the world. It's funny, I was talking to an affiliate owner last week and he's like, gosh, that's a huge number. That's a big number. <laughs> that gives you confidence you can get there. And, you know, I asked him, like, do you know 10 people who are not doing CrossFit who could benefit from it? He's like, yeah, obviously. There's another guy in the room and I asked, do you know 10 people? And he said, obviously. And I'm like, okay, well, that, like, there's our answer. Like, we all know there are a lot of people who can benefit from it. Does it make it easy? No, but absolutely possible, I think, if we execute well as a community. So that's a long, you know, long-term vision. And I'm happy to talk in, in kind of more detail in terms of path to get there. Um, I spent a lot of time traveling, um, talking to people. And so talking to members of the community, talked to a lot of probably at this point, hundreds, maybe thousands of affiliate owners in the US have also traveled a bit internationally, talked to a lot of coaches, got my L1. That was really important. I wish I had done it. (laughs) And then I've done actually a lot of, I've done a fair amount of podcasts like this, which have been really helpful for me in hearing how people respond to things that I say, that we say, what's resonating, mm-hmm. what isn't, that has been really important and really helpful in kind of refining our, our path forward. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love that that it is what we all care about, right? It's reaching more people. It's everyone who's involved in CrossFit in some way or touched by CrossFit in some way. It's changed our lives. It's changed people's lives that we know. And we just want that's why we're, we can't shut up about it, right? Because we exactly. want everyone to experience that. And so having a goal that's that's really about reaching people and changing lives really resonates more than something like, you know, a certain revenue goal or, or other kind of business metric that you might use. And, and for me, I think the business piece is really important. We have to build a sustainable business at cost. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, in, in some ways, I liken this to like our affiliate owners. If you want to impact and change lives over the long run, you have to build a sustainable business in order to do it. And mm-hmm. when I think about our goals as it relates to, to building a financially sustainable and healthy business, it is not the end goal, but it's a necessary requirement in service of reaching our end goal. If we mm-hmm. can't do that, we cannot reach 30 million people. So we have to be really thoughtful about it and, and make sure we, again, never lose sight of it's not the end goal but it is an essential part of, of getting there. Right. It's like you said, the, the goal is maybe setting the goal is the easy part. It's figuring out how do we get there? There's a lot of complexity underneath that. Awesome. So what, what are some of the biggest obstacles right now in, in terms of reaching that goal and how are you looking at those and how to tackle those? So I think, you know, the first I'd start with, um, you know, as we look at um, reaching new people, I'd say we have a bunch of challenges around the perception of our brand of CrossFit. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, as we all know, you walk into any affiliate, you're going to see people of all types, right? Young, old men, women, fit, you know, folks who are just starting in their journey, et cetera. Yet, if you ask the average person who has not experienced CrossFit, you're probably going to hear things like, oh, gosh, CrossFit's dangerous or gosh, CrossFit's not for me. It's for really young, healthy, fit people. And that limits, I think, a lot of people who would really benefit from it from even giving it a shot. Mm-hmm. And so we've got some work to do around evolving our brand so that it better matches the reality of what's actually happening inside of CrossFit gyms. And again, I, I like to say to folks like, 
we are really lucky for a lot of companies, businesses, growth means building new products or changing the product because it doesn't work for a new audience. We do not have that problem. We have something that works. We have a perception challenge. So that's priority mm-hmm. number one. So a lot of the work that we'll do on the marketing side will be in service. And, and really, marketing for us is storytelling. We don't need slogans. We don't need to hire influencers. We just elevate stories of, of what's happening inside all these gyms. So that's a that's a big challenge for us. Coupled with that is as people, as we convince more people to give CrossFit a shot or investigate it, we have to do a better job of handing them off to an affiliate so they can get started. So mm-hmm. if you come to CrossFit.com today, we don't do a good enough job of converting interest into I'm ready to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to get really good and rigorous at, you know, we'd say in a marketing language, managing our acquisition funnel. And mm-hmm. do we do a good job of converting people? Do we hand them off? Um, do we know which campaigns are working and which ones aren't? You know, which Magic of CrossFit campaign has had the biggest impact on people? And in understanding that, how do we put more resources towards that? If we can't answer those questions, we can't be really efficient in, in how we do our work. So building that quantitative side of really understanding what works and, and optimizing how we do it is a really essential piece of it as well. On the affiliate side, obviously, affiliates are an essential part you know, of making sure that, that people stick around and that they love CrossFit so much, they go tell more people about it, which will always mm-hmm. be our best growth strategy. Of um, course. For affiliates, I think our biggest problem and challenge is, is the financial side of running affiliates. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. And, and mm-hmm. for um, a lot of affiliates, they are just getting by. There are too many who are just getting by. And when you think about what we're delivering, the life-changing impact of CrossFit, mm-hmm. we've got to help the average affiliate owner be able to... We have too many affiliate owners today who do it only because it's a passion and yeah. not because it's a profitable business. We need to be in a place where it can be both. And, and we know it's possible because there are some affiliate owners who are doing it. So we've got some work to do in helping um, that passionate affiliate owner who is missing driven get up the business side of the learning curve as fast as they can um, so they can build that sustainable business. Mm-hmm. Third problem and challenge is I think we need to raise the bar in terms of the, the level of education uh, for our coaches. We need to make it easier for coaches to continually invest in refining their craft through continued education. I was really struck traveling internationally. We have a lot of countries where you walk into the meet with a bunch of affiliates. None of their coaches have their all ones. Mm. They don't have their all ones because it's expensive or maybe it's logistically challenging for them to show up. We have probably too many gyms in the US where we have people who don't have their all ones who are teaching classes. We have a lot of gyms in the US where maybe they have their L ones, but they've done nothing beyond the L one to invest in their craft. And I think most coaches who I talk to, the best coaches I've worked with, have have done a ton of learning, some of it in investment in education, some of it in great mm-hmm. mentorship from maybe their affiliate affiliate owner or head coach. And so for us, we need to really think about how do we make it easier for our intrinsically motivated coaches who want to get better to uh, invest in this continuous education. And so we're looking at how we structure education, the type of content that we share, a pricing model, how we think about staying current accreditation. We're looking at all of that 
to, to really make sure that we're optimizing for um, raising the bar in terms of quality. And again, that's good because the better our coaches are, better the experience for our members, which is going to drive better economics, which is going to drive better growth. And I think for our coaches, it'll allow them to build a really strong career and in investing in their craft. So mm-hmm. that's the, the third piece that is really important. I love that. So much there. <laughs> I feel like I have so much to, that I want to say. The um well on the on the topic of education, it just reminds me, I think, of of back in the day, the CrossFit journal and how much that drove that daily learning. Like every day you were learning something new. You were learning from, you know, one of the the experts in these various you know, from these various subject matter experts. Um, so I would love seeing that come back. And on the on the first point you made talking about just the biggest hurdle, I know if you ask anyone, the biggest hurdle of starting CrossFit is just getting someone in the door. And like you said, once you get in and you see, oh, there are people here like me, I can do this. People are nice. They care about me. And so being able to show people what's inside first so that they, they you know, they're willing to walk in the door or making that that first step a little bit easier is is exciting to think about where that will go. And then you were talking about affiliate owners. Oh, oh, so you were just talking about the passionate affiliate owner who isn't really making any money, but they just love it so much and it means so much to them to be able to impact people's lives this way. I think that is just such a true testament to how powerful the methodology is. And that we have so many people in our community that you know, will, you know, for them, it's like, well, I don't really care if I make money. I just want to, I just want to help people. And how can we better support them and their business so that they can make a living doing it? I think, you know, it reminds me of even in these past several years, or I guess two, three years when things have been a little bit rocky, I've heard multiple times about how, you know, CrossFit in many times has survived, like in spite of some of the, the like leadership challenges as opposed to because of, and I think, if anything, that just shows how strong, strong CrossFit is, how strong the methodology is that, you know, even through all these ups and downs and adversity and challenges, you know, people are still opening their doors. People are still going into the gym because it works and that's never going to change. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. And I'd say I, I I knew this to a degree coming into the job, obviously, because I've I've been in the community for so long. But gosh, it's, I've been so struck by this. Th- th- I've not experienced or seen anything like this. Maybe, maybe with the exception of um, the type of mission-driven commitment you saw in the Marine Corps and in the services. But the fact that we have people who are so committed, um, so driven by the impact, so driven by the work that they're willing to endure through all of uh, you know the challenges that we've seen as a community over the last few years is incredible. Um, we are mm-hmm. so, so lucky because most businesses, 99% of businesses do not have that. So we, we got to make sure we never lose sight of like, of that and mm-hmm. we respect it and support it and preserve what makes that possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's incredible. So with regard to reaching more people, I've heard you say, you know, and, and Greg Glassman used to say this at CrossFit, CrossFit is for anyone, but or anyone can do CrossFit, but Cross is not for anyone, sorry, mm-hmm. for everyone, sorry. Yep. Uh, with this concept that anyone can do it, but there is a certain, there are a couple key qualities that you probably need to have if you're going to do CrossFit. One being you want to get fit, you want to get healthy, and two being you're willing to work hard. 
we're, it's not easy. We don't use gimmicks. Like this is the real deal. And so that is a huge number of people, as you mentioned, like, you know, 30 millions, millions, just scratching the surface. But the challenge is all those people look very different or in very different places. You know, I think in a lot of companies, you think about, you know, narrow marketing towards a very mm-hmm. specific type of person. And we have a huge, you know, anyone, as we've talked about, can, can walk into a CrossFit gym. So, so how do you approach that problem? Yeah, it's um, really well said. It, you know, we, we had spent some time talking about, okay, who's our target customer? And it's a lot easier when you can say men and women between this age who do this and that. <laughs> we're really targeting in some respects kind of a, a psychographic, like what it, it is a mindset that we're targeting, honestly. It's, I think it's what you articulated. Do they want to get fit? Are they willing to work hard? And there's probably an, a li- maybe a little bit of an essence of like... Yeah. Are they willing to humble themselves a little bit? Like, are they willing yeah. to yeah. approach the journey with humility? I think that's really mm-hmm. important. That's key. That's just so, made me think of when you said psychographic, I just thought of, oh my gosh, are we going to find all the future CrossFitters on TikTok somehow? I don't know. <laughs> I tell you what, if we do, it's not going to be me finding them. Because, uh, <laughs> I, I have yet to make it onto TikTok, but yeah, it scares me. Um, <laughs> So, I, I, you know, I think for us, what it means is I think, you know, first, I think we have to get really crisp around what we're looking for. I think we have to make sure that in the media that we do, we are evoking this type of. So for someone who has that mindset, they are they are they feel a calling in the media that they see. Right. So so and so we have to craft it in a way where someone who doesn't have the mindset would be like, cool. Definitely not for me. Not talking to me. No interest, yeah. right? And for other folks, be like, oh, interesting. Okay, that jumps out at me because I think we're not careful. The obvious things that people look uh, look to, like um, that person looks super fit. That person's jacked. I think that's part of our challenge right now is that we have. If you turn on the games, you're going to see this athlete who is amazing. But for 95% of the population, 99% of the population, it's not going to resonate. And so I think a lot of it is we got to figure out through our storytelling, one, make sure that, that we reinforce and show. If you're watching a bunch of you're checking out CrossFit, you're going to see people from all walks of life. There is no standard archetype that you're going to see. And make sure the storylines and the themes, what we communicate, really gets at what's essential here. Mm-hmm. And then I think there are some things that we can do creatively to think about either partnerships or investments we make where those people already gravitate. So, you know, a lot of, we mentioned earlier, CrossFit, a lot of CrossFit's early roots were in military and first responders. Mm -hmm. Why did that resonate in part? In part, because a lot of people who are drawn to working hard and the commitments to getting better and humbling themselves, I think, are in those communities already. So I think we have to get creative about finding those other pockets where people with this mentality already gravitate and then make sure the message we reach them with is really going to resonate. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love to see that, that army ignited program that, that you guys just announced. It's a cool, cool partnership. I've also heard you talk a bit about this hybrid experience of affiliate and home, which I think so many of us are straddling now in the post COVID world where, you know, we went, Pretty quickly, we weren't able to go to our boxes and we were working out at home for a while and then realized how much we really needed the boxes and the 
coaching and the community and the social interactions, especially, you know, so many people still working from home most of the time. And so I'm curious what your vision is for that. How do we, how do we help people, you know, do both? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. I don't know what the answer is on this. And um, I think there are a bunch of folks in this space who are doing really interesting, some cool things. I think we've seen, you know, a number of uh, programming providers who have done, who are doing a great job with complementary programming, right? Whether it's the Mayhems or the Provins or the, you, you name it, NC Fit, doing a great job with it. And I think that has been a resource for a lot of folks who want to be able to train at home and maybe have as a complement to their affiliate. Um, we've also seen, like, I think, you know, what Miranda and her team have done it and mm-hmm. street parking is awesome, right? It's, I think a lot of their members match or re- have a lot of overlap, right? And so that's mm-hmm. what they've created is amazing. I think we, you know, our approach on this moving forward needs to both embrace and support folks like the street parkings and the mayhems and the provens who are, who are innovating. And again, this to me is where where we need to support great partnerships where they can innovate and fulfill a need. And then I think we probably also need a point of view as well. How do we, by virtue of what we do, better support that? How do we think about programming through the lens that we can support that in-home experience and the affiliate experience? Are there other things that we can do on the technology side to support and facilitate that as well? So, you know, I guess, long story short, I think we need to be willing to experiment and try some things. I'd be lying if I said we know what the answer is. We don't yet. I think there's a big, definitely really interesting opportunity there. I think we're going to have a lot of folks who live in this hybrid world now that love the affiliate experience, but also enjoy and need the flexibility of being able to work out from home. One Mm -hmm. one last thing that I touch on here is I think I would love uh, to see a solution here where we preserve, we give the member the flexibility of being able to train at home while preserving continuity with the community and with their affiliate. And I think that mm-hmm. that's one of the bigger things now that I feel like is missing, right? You train at home, it's almost yeah. a different, you're in a different flow than when you're in the affiliate. And I think, mm-hmm. I don't know, if there's a way to crack the nut, I think it's bringing those two things together, maybe making the affiliate owner or the coach a part of the experience, even if that mm-hmm. member's Totally. I know we were talking at the beginning about just lessons learned from the open. And for me, I think my biggest wake up call from this open was really how much more time I need to be spending in the affiliate. I think I've, I've really enjoyed the flexibility of being able to work out in the garage and it's time-wise very efficient, but my fitness has suffered. And I know, you know, every time I go into the gym, I just have a better experience. My day's better. You know, I'm seeing people, I'm interacting. And, and so I think, you know, it makes me think also, what is it that makes CrossFit? What is it about that that makes CrossFit so special? Like, I don't know that CrossFit just being delivered solely as a home program through, you know, videos has that special sauce. And I think that's so much about what's instilled in the coaches and the trainers through the level one is this caring that they have for their members and how every person that walks into the door is cared for and respected and seen and how, you know, as humans, that's really what we, what we need. The the bonus of CrossFit is that we're also getting the most effective fitness program when we walk in the gym. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think COVID for us as, you know, I'll speak for myself, I guess, has helped me more deeply appreciate 
and recognize actually what it is that I love about CrossFit. It's mm-hmm. not just the like that I'm a lot more fit than I was. It is this sense of connection and belonging and human interaction and the relationships you build and what that does for you. And like, you know, we talked about the shared adversity, suffering, the, the, the fact that you work harder when you're competing against someone who's right there next to you. Like, there's no question about that. And I think the benefits that we're seeing, you know, I think that I don't think we can adequately quantify today, but I absolutely believe that CrossFit is unbelievably positive for your mental health. Like I have zero doubt about that. It is good for your mental health. And I think it is, it comes through that in-person connection. And so we got to figure, I think can figure out how to capture some of that. I don't think it's ever going to be a hundred percent as being in the affiliate. But if we can capture more of that, I think that's that's where the answer is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know we haven't touched too much specifically on, you know, CrossFit health, but I did want I did want to touch on it a little bit. I think that I love that we are spending so much time talking about CrossFit as a whole because CrossFit is creating health. And that's part of the vision. And it always has been that way. But I noticed that there has been, you know, this revival of the specific healthcare practitioner seminars coming back. So I'm excited to see that. And, and I know that we're going to dive into health a little bit more on, on a future episode, but just wanted to get your sense of what, what role that plays in CrossFit as a whole, whether it's just reaching healthcare practitioners or education or where you see kind of CrossFit health going. Yeah. So I think at, at, you know, at the highest level and at the highest level, I think what CrossFit's all about, CrossFit health is all about is it, I think ultimately it's, it's the why behind CrossFit. It's ultimately like why we do this and what it's in service of. And right. And we learned this in the L1, right. In, in terms of, of the overall spectrum, you know, that CrossFit helps create this state of super health. And I think what we're ultimately trying to do there through CrossFit health is evolve CrossFit from a place where for a lot of people, it's a place you go work out. It's something you do to train and move it into the mainstream of, uh, this is what maybe everyone, I'll be a little ambitious. So bear with me. Everyone should be doing in service of their health, better health. Mm -hmm. And I think if we do it extraordinarily well, it'll not only benefit CrossFit, but it also will help the average person realize that the single best thing they can do to support their health is pay attention to nutrition and exercise. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to go to their doctor, you know, the way we get there is through awareness and that the purpose of the work we do to educate, you know, physicians uh, or and folks who are in the, the healthcare occupation is when you go to the doctor, the first thing hopefully they ask you is about your nutrition and your fitness regime. And so it, it is a very ambitious goal, but I think it's something we should be focused on. And like wild success to me would be 10 years from now, we're not talking about the latest weight loss drug that, you know, you can put your kids on or the, the latest surgical intervention. The first conversation we're having with people, the norm is a conversation about nutrition and fitness. And it's widespread recognition that that is going to speak out of school a little bit, but the most powerful drug is nutrition, proper nutrition mm-hmm. and fitness. So mm-hmm. uh, I think us being focused there and building strong relationships with influencers, doctors, other folks, healthcare practitioners is 
really important. It is candidly a long-term investment. Mm-hmm. And I think it's worth making because the outcomes are are that important. So that that at a high level is you know how I think about why this is worth doing, why it's so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's really about ultimately fulfilling, I think, what is the long-term impact we want to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think that, you know, you think about, oh, I would go, I would go even farther to say, you know, the most important things being nutrition and fitness, but also community, like how much that oh, really boosts yeah. people's health. And you get all three of those in your affiliate. And if a doctor or any other healthcare professional knows, like part of the problem today is that there's no education or training on it in school. And then there's nowhere, the system's not set up to be able to help people with that. So the doctor doesn't know where to send someone for help. So it's it's like, go figure it out on your own. But if if there is a very clear pathway from your doctor's office, who's diagnosing you with some chronic disease to saying, go to this place, they will help you reverse this chronic disease. Um, that is really, really exciting. I think what people really want to know, or people really appreciate all of the the communication that you've done going on podcasts, you know, really sharing your vision for the future of the company, you know, what can we expect from you and from HQ moving forward as far as communication and transparency about how things are moving? How can we expect to be hearing from you? Yeah. So we, you know, what I'd say at a high level is reinforcing some of the points that you made. I think it's our job. It's really important that we are are communicating, sharing our vision, sharing the strategy, um, communicating progress, explaining the why behind things that we do. Like, I think that's super important. And it's important both because, you know, one, I would say, I think it's it's the more that people in the community understand where we're going, um, the more they can align around it. So I heard from so many people saying, gosh, we would love to support, but we need to know where you're going so we can plan to support it. So that's, you can absolutely expect from us, you're going to hear periodically um, overall plan. So we just got done about a month ago, did our first affiliate summit, where we shared our 2030 vision, we shared our priorities for this year, we sent that out to all of our affiliate owners. I've done follow on, you know, us, we as a leadership team will do follow on podcasts to communicate it. We'll do an update on that. We're still figuring out the right frequency, we'll probably do it about mid year. So in three or four months, we'll say, hey, Talked about doing X, Y, and Z. Here's how it's going. Here are the things that are working. Here are the things that aren't working. Here are the changes that we're making. Here are the new priorities through the end of the year. So can expect a degree of really in service of accountability. So our job is to communicate what we're doing, how well Mm -hmm. it's working, to make sure that everyone understands what we're working on. I think it's also really important because it gives our, our community a chance to kind of weigh in on and share feedback on things. So I, I appreciate most of the time. I get a lot of like <laughs> DMs on Instagram or emails, et cetera, being like, I heard you say this, this sounded really dumb, or this sounded off, or hey, this was great. I liked it. 99% of those. I, um, <laughs> you can count on the CrossFit community to yeah. be very vocal about what they like and don't like. Yeah. And what, and what I'd say is like, I think look, m- maybe most obvious statement of the year, there's no way that we're going to be able to move forward and have perfect alignment where everybody in the community is going to agree with everything. Mm-hmm. We do. That is impossible. <laughs> we'll never do anything. We'll just run around in circles if we try to do that. But I think what the community should expect from us is, you know, one, we've clearly articulated where we're going in the long run. 
And actually, that might be one thing where 99% of the community agrees. We want to end lives. We should articulate our rationale for the things that we're doing, the why behind them. And the community should see and believe that we are operating, always operating with the best intent of the community. That everything we do is in service Mm -hmm. of that North Star. And we're going to make mistakes. I guarantee it. We're going to do stuff that, you know, either doesn't work or that people fundamentally disagree with. But I hope and believe that even when we make mistakes, the community really believes the intent is right and the vision is right. I think they're going to support us through it. Uh, And if we show that, hey, we can course correct quickly, listen, Mm -hmm. course correct. So that's what I would say that the community should expect. You should expect transparency. You should understand the why. You should have a means of sharing feedback and share your perspective. And you should have confidence by virtue of how we operate, that we're operating with integrity, and that we're working in service of supporting the community. All right. Well, thank you. Well, as we wrap up, I just I just really have to say thank you. I'm going to get emotional. Um, I have not cried on the podcast before, but um, I'm just really grateful that you're here and that you're leading CrossFit. Thank you, Jill. Wow, I'm sorry. No, I didn't expect to. This is very humble. We, um, we've, um, you know, there's just, we all know how powerful it is and how much potential it has to change so many people's lives. And I mean, if I could tell you, even the number of people who've come on the podcast in the last eight years who said not only has it changed their lives, but it's saved their lives. And we can reach so many more people. And I think over the last couple of years, it's been really scary for a lot of us because we were afraid that we were going to lose that chance. And so um, just listening, you know, listening to you talk, like preparing for this, listening to different interviews that you've done. It was the first time that I really feel like very safe in terms of, you know, you're going to protect what makes CrossFit special and you have the right mindset, the humble attitude to listen, to learn, to um, really learn from the community, but also the skill sets and the experience to be able to lead us into this next stage of growth. And, um, you know, it just, it just means a lot. And it's, uh, it's so important to so many people. And I'm really excited to see, you know, how many more lives that we can all change together. So thank you for taking it on. I'm sure that even as much fun as it is, there are still parts of it that are really hard and that are not fun. Um, so I just thank you for, for doing it. Thank you for sharing that. That, uh, that means so much. And I'd say, uh, that reinforces for me, like the responsibility of this role for me and for us, I'd say for all of us in the community, I think like, that's why I'm in it. I really believe it's going to sound a little cheesy, but like, I think we have this gift of this, like insanely magical thing that the world really needs right now. And mm-hmm. now know, more than ever, now more yeah. than ever. And, and, you know, the way, you know, it's our job, I think to come together and make sure that we reach as many people of it as possible. And if we can do that, like we fast forward out, you know, hopefully lots and lots of you <laughs> are looking back old and gray. Holy cow, how meaningful will that be? What a special Absolutely. opportunity. So, well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate thank you. the conversation. Done. Absolutely. Thank you, Don. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people.